Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So a covert narcissist, like they're not going to necessarily seem as arrogant as like an overt narcissist. And so really an overt narcissist is one that's more um, obvious. Like they, they are an asshole. They don't make any, they don't try to hide it or anything like that. But the ones that you really need to watch out for are the covert ones because they, um, you know, they, they really hide it. They don't show that they are an asshole or anything like that. And they seem like the nicest person to the majority of people because they're not abusing everybody. And so if you try to, you know, tell somebody that someone's a narcissist that is like a mutual friend or family member, the chances are that no one's going to believe you because they're not getting the same treatment from this person. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how do I deal with my narcissistic family member or friend? Today's amazing guest is Adriana Bucci. Adriana learned what a narcissist was in 2014 after Googling the behaviors of an ex-boyfriend and realizing her mom was a narcissist as well. She decided to become a certified coach and is now coaching survivors of narcissistic abuse to take control of their lives and set boundaries. Adriana is 35 years old, married, and lives in Toronto. Welcome. Hey, Pete. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. I think it's going to be a great topic to talk about. My first question to every expert always is, how are your 30s going so far? <laughs> um, they're interesting. They're very interesting. <laughs> Not how I thought they'd be going at all. Um, but you know what? Honestly, better than my 20s. I feel like the 20s is just such a wild age to be in. And since I turned 30, like that's literally... When I turned 30, my healing journey started. Um, and so it's just kind of, you know, it's been like just the whole healing journey of my entire 30s so far. <laughs> and what did you expect and how has it ended up? Oh, man, I expected to, you know, be working at like an office job, um, not figuring out that there was a healing journey, absolutely not doing what I'm doing. I had no plans to be a coach whatsoever. Um, and of course, they ended up a lot different than what I expected. Um, so, you know, I ended up being a coach. I ended up going on my healing journey. I ended up healing from chronic pain, which I had been suffering from a lot in my 20s. Um, and that's really what sort of sparked my entire healing journey. This was so absolutely not what I had envisioned for my life whatsoever. I don't even know what I envisioned, to be honest, but um, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's really good. It sounds very intense, but also good. Yeah. Like positive being on your healing journey, at least. Totally. Dear listeners, we're in the holiday series for 30 and a bit. And each week I'll be sharing an interview with an expert instead of bi-weekly, what we do normally. 
And every topic is gonna help you get through the month because December can be a tough and stressful month for everyone. We're here to get you through, give you tools, especially. Please share these episodes to anyone that might find them useful and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening now, please. Adriana, can you tell us what has gotten you interested in coaching? It's kind of a long story, but I will try to keep it short. Chronic pain is actually what got me interested in coaching. Um, so I'll, I'll briefly, I'll try to be brief, um, explain how that even happened. So when I was like 26-ish, 25, 26, I got my wisdom teeth removed and um, it was just like this downward spiral. Like I ended up with migraines, carpal tunnel syndrome, um, tennis elbow, all this stuff like by the ripe old age of 30. And then when I turned 30, I got shingles in my mouth, which... Um, was insane because that's not something that you have to worry about until you're like a senior citizen. And I ended up with something. Yeah. Yeah. I had like all these jaw problems. Like it was just, it was a time. And then I ended up um, getting something called trigeminal neuralgia, which is the, the nerve that got affected by the shingles. And um, it's nicknamed the suicide disease because that's how painful it was. So I was 30 and I was like, if I'm in this much pain already, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how aging is going to go. I'm terrified of my 40s. So I basically told my husband straight up, like, I'm going to try to give you another 10 years before you might have to call yourself a widower because I don't know how I'm going to do this if I'm already in this much pain. And then I stumbled upon the mind-body connection, which is the theory that your repressed emotions are actually what's responsible for physical chronic pain that doesn't go away or keeps getting worse or goes into different parts of your body over time, which is exactly what was happening. And this is under the assumption that you've been to a doctor, you've done the tests, you're not dying, you don't have like a recent fracture or anything, you know, very life and death situation sort of thing happening. So I did my inner work and I healed. I ended up being out of pain within four months. And I was like, I need to share this message and tell people about the mind body connection. So I got my coaching certification for uh, mind body fitness and I started just teaching all that kind of stuff. But then I started opening up a little bit more about my experience of having been raised by a narcissistic mother and why that caused me to really repress my emotions and end up in the pain to begin with. And that's when I realized that narcissistic family members are an epidemic. <laughs> so many people have a narcissist in their life and, um, I sort of just switched my focus to helping survivors of narcissistic abuse. It's sort of, it's sort of like happened organically. And, um, you know, everyone that I work with has some sort of mind body manifestation of the repressed emotions anyways. So that's it in a nutshell, what got me interested in this. When I told my friend yesterday that I was going to be talking about this with you, she asked me if I could have you explain in the simplest terms, what a narcissist means, because it, you're saying it's a pandemic and you're you're hearing it a lot more, but I also feel like sometimes people use it as a buzzword. So can we, once and for all, explain very clearly what it means to be a narcissist? Totally. So I don't think it's a buzzword. I think that a lot of narcissists will call people narcissists just to sort of project that onto <laughs> them. And so, you know, they are making it a buzzword. But I think for people, like there's so many people that go through it that there's so much more information on it. And I love that. And I think that that makes it a lot easier for people to figure out what they are going through. Um, so I, I absolutely appreciate all of the information that's out there and I'm like actually happy about it. Um, but it can be very confusing when um, you don't know what exactly a narcissist is or what it entails. 
And, you know, there's like six different types of narcissists out there and it can be very confusing. You can go down that Google rabbit hole. But in a (laughs) nutshell, the simplest way to understand if you are dealing with a narcissist is if you see a pattern of love bomb, devalue, discard. And that is like the pattern that narcissists put people through all the time. Like, and when you know what to look out for, it will be so obvious. So love bomb is whatever you want to hear. Devalue is what happens once they gain your trust in the love bomb. And that's when they start, you know, insulting you or making these remarks and like trying to make you feel bad about yourself and all that kind of stuff. And discard is when, you know, they, they have no use for you anymore. And what they're basically doing is trying to get supply from you. So if you are feeling that you are emotionally reactive towards a certain person in your life, chances are that's a narcissist because that's what they feed off of. They feed off of your emotional reaction. So a narcissist is basically, you know, someone who's, you know, they can be arrogant, but not all the time because then we've got covert narcissists. So a covert narcissist, like they're not going to necessarily seem as arrogant as like an overt narcissist. And so really an overt narcissist is one that's more um, obvious. Like they, they are an asshole. They don't make any, they don't try to hide it or anything like that. But the ones that you really need to watch out for are the covert ones because they, um, you know, they, they really hide it. They don't show that they are an asshole or anything like that. And they seem like the nicest person to the majority of people because they're not abusing everybody. And so if you try to, you know, tell somebody that someone's a narcissist that is like a mutual friend or family member, the chances are that no one's going to believe you because they're not getting the same treatment from this person. Oh, okay. Okay. So they really pick their victim almost. Yes, exactly. They only abuse one or two people and it's usually the people closest to them. So, you know, a parent and an adult child, um, you know, a significant other, right? Like that's mostly who would sort of be targeted by a narcissist. And um, to the rest of everybody else, they're super nice. They have the mask on. They pretend that they're someone who they're not. And of course, behind closed doors with their target, they're a completely different person. And they do this on purpose so that the person going through it, the target thinks that they're going crazy and they think that something's wrong with them. And that's really how the abuse gets to go on for longer and longer because no one believes them and they really start believing that something's wrong with them and they're causing this. So you get gas lit on top of everything else as well. Absolutely. Oh, this is so fascinating. Do you see this as the most common type out of the six of the narcissists? Yeah, I'd say like they're all pretty, it really depends on the situation. Um, But covert ones are the most common type of like people who come to see me um, because it's harder to see covert narcissists, right? Because they they do a lot of bombing. They, you know, and people are like in that kind of mind fuck for a lot longer than they otherwise would be with like other types of narcissists where it's easier to see. And they cannot really talk about it with the other family member because the other family is going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. Because the the narcissist is like puppet mastering everybody pretty much. And Mm. they're not treating every family member the same way. So, you know, a lot of the times there's the scapegoat, the family scapegoat, and they get targeted by sometimes everyone in the family even. Um, And, you know, the narcissist really sets up this sort of dynamic. It's interesting that you just mentioned um, that they can be targeted by everybody. Because is this something that's hereditary or... Is it something that can be triggered later in life? Can you see it on an, in an MRI? What's the deal here? Um, so I, I'm not like really that 
aware of any of the science about it. Um, I have read that they've done studies that their MRIs are different, um, but I'm not gonna like speak to that. But what I will say is I've done a lot of uh, Dr. Ramani's workshops. If you've heard of her, she's like the queen of understanding narcissistic abuse. She's an actual psychologist and all that kind of stuff. So I've actually, you know, done a lot of deep diving into her work just to make sure I, I know my facts. And, um, you know, it not necessarily hereditary because then every adult child of a narcissist would also be a narcissist. The theories are pretty much that either they might have trauma and the thing is everyone has trauma. Like everyone has experienced like adverse childhood experiences and they don't go around abusing other people because of it. So, you know, if it's because of the trauma, it's not an excuse. And the other um, theory is that maybe they've just had a very overly indulged childhood. Like they were never told no, they were super spoiled. They got everything they wanted kind of thing. And they've carried that out into like their adulthood. Um, and so, you know, it's just, they, they really just kind of lack that empathy. They, um, they just are who they are, but they're choosing their behavior at the end of the day. What are some of the traits and behaviors of someone who is a narcissist? They'll basically, they'll be nice to you one minute, then they'll be super rude to you. Then, you know, it's really just like that whole cycle of abuse that happens. Um, they will, they need to be right all the time. They can't be wrong. They will die on that hill, no matter how wrong they are about whatever the situation is. They, you know, they, they're just like really arrogant. They, they sometimes put themselves in like a victim scenario where they make themselves into the victim. So everybody feels sorry for them. They seek pity a lot just to sort of kind of like evade the accountability for the abuse that they're putting their targets through. Like, cause it's just, oh, I'm just like this horrible victim. And like the, the world has just dealt me such a bad hand and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you end up feeling sorry for them. Um, you know, stuff like that, just very manipulative traits is what they have. I also read another one of how they constantly need attention. Yeah. Like to a point where they follow you around the house or are asking you to find things, which technically would make every man a narcissist because men can never find anything. <laughs> <laughs> or constantly saying something to grab your attention. I thought that was fascinating too. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Yes, that's exactly it. That's all it's about with narcissists because what they're looking for is supply. So supply is basically your emotional reaction, your attention, your energy, your time, your resources, you engaging in conversations with them. They need to feel like they are getting your attention in at whatever cost, at the cost of your mental health, basically. And they mm -hmm. will do the craziest things in order to get that attention. They will do stuff that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever in order to get your attention. Um, it's really frustrating. And they really, they, they put these emotions within you, right? They trigger you with the emotions of guilt, shame, fear, or a sense of obligation. And anybody who's in those like emotional states is easier to control. And so if you tell them like, hey, I don't like when you do this, can you please stop doing it? They're going to make sure to do that even more just because they know that that's going to piss you off and get you in that emotionally reactive state so that you're arguing with them. And then they're getting that attention from you that way. So it, they, they love negative attention as much as it makes no sense to a normal person. That's what they want. Like they want to get into arguments with you. They want you to waste your time basically engaging with them so that they feel like they're in power and control over you. Wow. So no matter, yeah, so they like feed off of negative attention. Yes. So it keeps them going. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. Wow. When your brain is wired like a normal person, it's just like that makes, that sounds so stupid. And it is so stupid because that's like such a dumb yeah. life goal to have. Um, but that's, that's, that's what they want. So fascinating. So you were raised by a narcissist. Do you see with your, um, the people you coach as well, that there are often people that were raised by a narcissist then also start dating a narcissist? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of them, not everybody, um, but a lot of them are raised by narcissists and they date them or marry them. And um, a lot of the times they figure out like how I figured out that they have a narcissistic parent because they're Googling their significant other's behavior. And can it be diagnosed? And does it often come with other mental health issues like bipolar or anything like that? Um, so narcissism is a personality disorder, not so much like a mental health thing. Um, and so that's where there's a lot of confusion as well. And yes, narcissistic personality disorder can be diagnosed, but it doesn't because narcissists don't think that anything is wrong with them. So they're not the type of people who will think that, oh, the way like my behavior is really concerning me because it seems that the way I treat other people who love me is really negatively affecting their mental health. I should go see a therapist and go get checked out and figure out what's wrong with me and stop doing this. They don't think like that. They don't think they're wrong. They think they're perfect. They can do no wrong in their own minds. So it's very much underdiagnosed because they just will not go to get diagnosed. Um, and so that's where things can get very confusing because people tend to, you know, at the beginning of the journey, they start thinking like, oh, well, they never got diagnosed with narcissism, so they can't be a narcissist. And that that's another trap that keeps people stuck longer. Um, because then there's people out there who will say like, oh, you don't have a master's degree or a PhD. You're not a psychologist. You can't go around labeling people as a narcissist. And you know what? <laughs> Those people are probably narcissists themselves who just don't want this information to be shared um, because you don't need a freaking PhD to be able to put two and two together and realize what's happening. Right. <laughs> and so apart from a child of a narcissistic parent potentially ending up with a partner that's a narcissist, what other 
like almost traits do you will you very likely carry as a child into adulthood before you realize that your parent was a narcissist because you'll have to be a bit older to be able to realize that and break the cycle and understand why you grew up the way that you did but what are some of the common traits that you'll show as an adult um people pleasing for sure like you're probably going to be some level of people pleaser if you were raised by a narcissist because you've been trained to please your narcissistic parent because they basically had you for the purpose of having a lifetime of supply. Um, chances are you're a perfectionist. Yep. You're probably a perfectionist because narcissistic parents are always switching around the goalposts. So whatever you do, it doesn't matter how perfectly you do it. There's always something wrong with it. And you know, you better correct yourself every single time. And um, so you carry that over into adulthood as well. Um, you might be like, go, go, go all the time, which can happen in childhood where you just want to distract yourself from all of the shit that's going on at home. So you do whatever you can to fill up your schedule with as much stuff as possible so that you're, you're not at home and you don't have to deal with your narcissistic parent. And of course that can carry out into adulthood. Um, mm -hmm. what else? there's, there's a whole bunch, um, but, uh, you know, there's also being a goodest as well, where you just, you feel like you, you have something to prove to other people. You have to prove to them that you are a good person and anyone who doesn't see you as a good person, you kind of go out of your way to make sure that they know you're a good person. And that's from the gaslighting. That's from the narcissistic parent, like telling you that you are a bad person for like this random thing that isn't even a bad thing that they're accusing you of doing. Um, and then it's just like, you know, obviously like low self-esteem, all that kind of stuff is part of it as well. Um, so I hope that answers the question. That's a lot. So question about people that are going to be sitting at the Christmas table with a narcissistic parent, partner, or sibling, how should they deal with it best? And is there a different answer to whether it's your parent, your partner, or your sibling? Um, no, it's going to be pretty universal how to deal with it um, because they, they all use the exact same tactics and all of them have the exact same goal of getting supply from you. So your job, basically, if you are stuck having a family uh, holiday get together of some sort. So number one is to determine, like, do you really need to go? Because <laughs> not going is totally an option, um, which I know sounds insane to a lot of people listening potentially because they just it hasn't even occurred that that's an option um but it is there's no legal obligation that you have to spend the holidays with your toxic family members so <laughs> <laughs> if that is an option for you i would definitely encourage you to exercise that option and you know start your own traditions for the holidays because you don't need to you really don't need to um deal with toxic people throughout the holidays and of course they're gonna make it into a whole song and dance if you decline the invitation so expect the expected because when you take yourself out of the equation you're taking away your supply which they feel entitled to so they're gonna get mad at you so being okay with them being mad at you because they're always gonna be mad at you anyways um right. if, yeah if uh not attending is not an option and you have to attend for whatever reason whether you know, you feel just super obligated to, you're not ready to do, to not go just yet. Or, you know, there's other family members that you want to see as well. And you want to sort of kind of ignore the narcissist, whoever they are, whether it's a parent, a sibling, whoever. 
um, or if you still live with your narcissistic parents, for example, and so yeah. you really avoid the situation at all, um, your best bet would be to gray rock. And so this is a tool, it's a boundary, and it's a boundary that you don't necessarily have to announce because you're not gonna tell a narcissist, hey, I'm using this tool called gray rocking on you because I think you're a narcissist. And because then they're gonna turn that into a whole thing and they're gonna say, oh no, you're the narcissist. And then they're gonna like look up what gray rocking is and try to use that on you. And like, it's just, of they're course. gonna do can. Yeah, they're gonna try to confuse the crap out of you. So with gray rocking, you just do it. <laughs> you literally just do it. So what is it? It's basically when you become a gray rock, be as boring as humanly possible. Don't give them more words in your answers than you need to. If uh, they ask how your day was, you didn't have a good day, you didn't have a bad day, you had an average day. Like there's nothing exciting going on in your life. There's nothing terrible going on in your life. You live the most boring life of all time and you are the most boring person of all time. And so you have to, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do it at first because you're basically conditioned into being reactive by this person, especially if it's a parent. It is so hard to gray rock them because they installed those emotional buttons in you and they know exactly how to push them. So becoming aware of that is gonna make this a lot easier. And um, you know, just being like self-aware, like understanding when you're giving an emotional reaction is gonna be very helpful too. And reminding yourself like, I, my parent is not entitled to my emotional reaction and I don't have to react emotionally to them. And so basically, you know, one word answers, zero emotion in your voice, wear all gray to remind yourself <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> and you know just be super super boring and this is probably going to piss the narcissist off because they're not used to seeing you this boring so they might start saying these weird things about like oh what's up with your attitude now how did you you changed i'm concerned about your mental health what's going on with you all that kind of stuff and that is only being said for the one purpose of getting an emotional reaction from you that's all it's ever going to be about so you have to really understand that that that's why they're saying these things and continue sticking to your guns and being a gray rock and you know when you're you're basically taking away supply from them when you're gray rocking and you're dealing with somebody who feels so entitled to getting that supply from you that they're going to put up a fight when you withdraw that from them so expect them to try harder to get an emotional reaction from you and it's difficult but your job is basically to stick to your guns and not give that to them Amazing. I love that there's a term gray rocking for it. <laughs> so wear all gray, remind yourself I'm a gray rock and give one, one word answers. That is such a good tip. That's going to be hard. That's going to be so hard. Maybe make sure that the next night you have a dinner planned where you can be your full self with your friends or like something to even to balance it out because you're like coming out of that um, dinner, you'll probably still feel pretty shitty but at least you didn't give them anything they can really feed off of and go off on with you as well. Exactly, 100%. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so funny. I had no idea this was a term, but I think that's a great tool. That's a really good way for people to get through uh, a Christmas dinner. Totally. That's a good one. <laughs> I have two more questions. One is, can you tell someone that they're a narcissist or you've kind of, I guess, already told me that you can't because they're going to be gaslighting you, right? Pretty much. Even if it's in the nicest way. Yeah. It, I don't recommend it because they, 
they're going to have an issue with anything that you tell them about themselves. Right. And so they're, they're not going to, you have to ask yourself, what's your intention with telling them that they're a narcissist? Is it for Mm. them to self-reflect and take blame and validate what they've put you through? Because that's not going to happen. Yeah. And seeking help is also not really going to happen then. Wow. Absolutely not. They might even like suggest, because this is a trap, right? Telling them that they're a narcissist can actually be such a trap because then they might even say like, oh, well, let's go to, let's go to family therapy. Let's go to couples counseling. And they will do that in order to manipulate the therapist or the counselor against you because a lot of therapists are not aware of these dynamics. They end up getting manipulated by the narcissist and then you think you're crazy and you really start continuing to believe that like something's wrong with you. So I would not recommend telling a narcissist that they're a narcissist because there's no point. There's absolutely no point. It, the best case scenario, they're going to call you a narcissist. Worst case scenario, they're going to, you know, use that as a way to continue manipulating you. Okay, I have another question then. If you're now realizing that your partner has been love bombing, devaluing and discarding you for all this time, your whole relationship, what, what should you do? Leave. You have to leave? Because having, like having a parent or a sibling, that's, you're stuck with them, right? Whether you want it or not, they're going to be, they don't necessarily have to be in your life your whole whole life, but they're your family member, but your partner, you can have influence on. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's situations if you share children with your partner, that's, that's complicates matters a lot more. Um, but if you don't have any shared assets, you don't have any shared children, um, and you are able to safely get out of there as soon as possible, like you are going to be like, it's going to suck because you're probably, you know, still you love this person you can't imagine that like this is what it's all about so of course you have to be at that point where you really kind of have the ick towards this person where you really see them for exactly who they are and you realize like you're not going to put up with this anymore and it can take a while to get to that point but really at the end of the day like the best option is to leave and you know never look back because this person's never going to change they do not change they literally that's what I was thinking yeah yeah. And they're probably also not just going to let you go like that. No, exactly. They're they're going to put up a fight because you you have been a source of supply to them. And so sometimes they will discard you if you stop giving them supply altogether and you know they've tried and tried and tried to get supply from you and they finally have realized like it's not going to happen, then they'll completely discard you. They might try again like several years later, but you know it's you know, you don't have to wait for them to discard you because, you know, we have a very limited amount of time on this planet. So I would just suggest you do what's right for you as soon as possible because your future self is going to thank you. Um, And so, yeah, like just leave, like get out. It's difficult, of course, but it's going to be the best thing that you've ever done for yourself. So you're saying that they'll try to contact you maybe a couple years later. So imagine you leave the relationship, you block them on anything and everything so they cannot contact you. Is the reason they might try to contact you again a couple years later because they want to get that last word in and discard you, be the last person to discard you? Sometimes. Um, Generally, though, it's to get supply from you. So a lot of the times it's because they they had a new source of supply while you were broken up for however amount of time it was. And then maybe years later, the things are not working out with the new supply or the new supply is onto them and is starting to understand and is not giving them that high quality supply anymore. 
So they will go back to old sources of supply and see what they can get out of them. And you have to recognize that all you are to this person is a source of supply. Like it was never a real relationship. And I know that that's difficult for some people to hear, but the truth will set you free at the end of the day. I know that sounds cheesy, but the truth is the truth is the truth. And you have to look at things under like a very realistic lens because continuing to believe that it was love or this was like a good relationship and the love bombing parts of it were, were what made it all worth it is going to keep you stuck. And then I think I might know the answer to the next question as well, is if someone's listening to this episode and realizing they have some of the traits you've mentioned, what would be next steps? My guess now is they probably wouldn't be like, hey, this sounds like me. Is that your answer? <laughs> totally. But I will add that, you know, some some survivors of narcissistic abuse start to worry about like, am I a narcissist? Because we all have narcissistic traits. And so what's important to understand is to, you know, get grounded in reality and ask yourself if you do believe that you have narcissistic traits. Like, first of all, you probably wouldn't have gotten this far in the episode. So you're 100% correct about that. <laughs> but if you are genuinely worried that you might be a narcissist and, you know, it, it is what it is what it is like it's very common i used to worry i was a narcissist i have most of my clients have worried that they're a narcissist too um and that's just because of all the gaslighting so that's you gaslighting yourself and if you still don't believe me ask yourself do you get a sick sense of twisted joy from seeing other people in a state of emotional distress because of something that you said or did to them if the answer is no then you have nothing to worry about you're not a narcissist if the answer is yes, that you do derive a sense of pleasure from seeing other people emotionally distressed because of something you said or did, then, you know, something something's definitely probably wrong with you, but you're probably, if, if you genuinely do get that sense of joy out of it, um, you're probably not even listening to me right now. So yeah, you know, true. It's, uh, yeah. imagine someone is is the way to go forward, go to a therapist that specializes in narcissists? Um, I guess. <laughs> Maybe no one's ever gotten this far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really rare. Um, it's extremely rare. And the ones that like actually do go to therapy, like they're either doing it just to manipulate their loved ones or because they've been like mandated legally to do so for some mm. sort of legal reason. My final question at the end of every episode is if you could give the listeners one takeaway, what would it be? That your life is worth so much more than this person that is trying to sabotage your life. Like there is so much more to life than this drama that this person's trying to put you through. And once you recognize that and really have that goal to figure out what's important in your life that does not involve this person, like you will, you will get there. Amazing. I think this was a really good episode with so many tips on how to behave around a narcissist, especially when we're coming up for Christmas and having these dinners or drinks with family members. Everyone, gray rock, wear gray clothes. <laughs> Tell yourself, I'm a gray rock. That is such a good tip and give one uh, one worded answers. Thank you so much survivors or any people that are going through narcissistic abuse go to let's get your shift together on instagram where you can also find a link to our guidebook which is called i was raised by a narcissist what the fuck do i do and you also offer group trainings are you still taking people on 
Absolutely. Yes. In my 12 week group coaching program, Bulletproof, it is such an amazing program. So feel free to apply for it. If, um, if I'm not taking on clients, you can get on the wait list. So just check out that link and um, apply because first come first serve and these uh, spaces fill up really fast. Go to her Instagram. Let's get your shift together. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode about narcissistic family members. I learned so much. If you haven't listened to the first episode of our holiday series, please go back and we talk about alcohol um, and it's specifically kind of curated towards social, um, what's it called? Sober curious people. Wow, (laughs) that had to come from quite far. Um, Which I consider myself one of And I have good news. I have been sober for over two weeks at this point. We'll be back with the five questions for Adriana on Thursday. And then next week is the last episode of our holiday series about apologizing. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit pot for more content. And please leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helps more than you think. Really, really, really. See you next week.